then we are back we are live on the Greyhorn Pagans podcast welcome welcome all good to have you all back here with us again um tonight i am back with jin the ninja he left us on such a cliffhanger last time or well two actually because we got to talking uh, or we ended on um, Dumavati, who we kind of equated to Odin in a way, and then you dropped the bomb of uh, the eight-legged horse of East, and then we went off the air, and I was like, dude, you cannot leave us on this cliffhanger and not come on again. So here we are, back again with Ninja, Dude, welcome back. Thank you for coming on um Thanks on, on, on so such much. short notice not at all it was totally great i i'm really happy you invited me i know you probably didn't know what you were going to get the first time but uh no it was really great and um yeah thank you yeah no you're you're very welcome and thank you for uh like i said for coming back on uh, such a short notice i'm looking at my youtube studio it was the oh it was the 21st Actually, June twenty first on the the solstice when I know you've done magical days every time. Yeah, man, great. Sure. I, I like that's probably the time to record. It is. Those are the best times to uh, to record. The best times to be talking about things like uh, like this, like tantra and all the the gods and goddesses and um, the avatars of the gods. Uh, I have been trying to uh read up a bit on everything that you have sent me but it is so much and it's gonna I take know, years for me to understand this but of course i have been um i have read uh what you sent me about uh dumavati and um i can definitely see the resemblance with odin and uh the more i thought about it it was like uh she is like she has that uh that that odinic that voton energy um just maybe um like a little more furious a little more a little more dangerous perhaps and definitely dangerous in the face value like yeah. if you're new upasaka if you're going to try and reach her spear or reach her it's going to be absolutely ferocious but mm. once you're there is known as the best of the boon givers so she can bestow pretty much anything you want that's how it's thought of okay yeah that does sound like odin i have done um like energetic experiments totem experience uh experiments experiences with odin and his energy was the only one i had trouble connecting with not because it wasn't a connection but because it was so so strong so so dense yes that um like i i literally had to step like step off step step out of the energy um before you know just before like having proper closure and whatever because i was like okay this is intense this is this is too much so i think when i have experience is in this area me it's been exactly the same like i even the word dense like the smoke was so dense that's exactly how i would describe it 
Mm, yeah it was like almost etheric like it had like a quality that was not just it was like matter but not matter so and one of the her important part of her stories is that because she swallows shiva she contains either and water mm -hmm. but she's only able to manifest either through air through smoke like through her skin okay so she for a female personality persona mm -hmm. she's probably the she's the most able to wield either as a weapon and what that happens with us in my experience is just my experience is that that tends to really affect us on the psychological level but also like not saying you're weak to ghosts or spirits or anything like that but that is that when they come they come with an entourage that's usually how it's conceived of so her entourage mm -hmm. the most ferocious of the carnal ground dakini so the dakinis who live in the cremation ground who are all practicing um black magic we'll call it even though okay. that's kind of an inaccurate but it's a good illustration of what they're doing so mm -hmm. all widows they're all ascetics there are people who are totally beyond convention who have totally given up the material world so yeah. when she comes forward it is people who are very ferocious the her entourage and so I could understand from what you're saying is their entourage sort of comes before them, trying to suss you out maybe is a good way to describe it. And mm -hmm. it kind of, it's almost like a wall or a fork. That actually reminds me of um, Odin and uh, the Wild Hunt. That's, that's that's also with a lot of um, a lot of the stronger, more yeah more dark gods or entities uh, it, in a way it's definitely that's a dark once until you get to the core i found it very dense like very dark very and it, and she does that is what it said is that her tantra or her sadhana practice but all of her specialty tantras they are very obscure and they can easily make you go crazy that is like something well mm. known or yeah. that specific goddess i know that that definitely sounds like like odin like if you are not equipped to handle his uh his energy if you are not on his level yet and you still try to make a connection and you force that connection um yeah that's that's not gonna gonna end well for you because his energy is so so strong like he is the old father he is the wisest of the gods he is the you know the furious one so if you're if you're ill-equipped uh it's going to cost you your son that seems to make sense when you're getting it above the supernal ocean like once you're going a little higher on the tree and you're accessing those powers it seems like the re the real consequence is psychological mm -hmm. also some people say your eyes as well like maybe it affects your eyes so i can that all totally makes sense yeah because there are many the the norse germanic pantheon of course we know many gods we have many uh, many entities but uh, odin is really a god of the uh the aristocracy is really like the um, yeah, the the old father like the god above gods it's it's also it's maybe kind of a uh like something that the uh the christians portrayed him to be so that like they still have that that one god um 
that they can say like, oh, you know, you guys have Odin, like he is like our god, he is the god above gods. And, um, but remembering from what you uh, what you told us last uh, last time, um, that's really a phenomenon that you see worldwide, even like in the um, even in the East where Christianity really wasn't isn't as prevalent. Um, so maybe there is something to it, but uh, like he's the he's the hardest one to connect with. Like your your everyday everyday guy, everyday man, everyday you know individual like you and me, we'd be more um more inclined to connect with Donar, with Thor, because you know he is the protector of mankind, protector of Midgard, and he has just this this love for us. Like he is, he's just like the, you know those humans. God, I love him. Like don't don't know why, but they're just they're great, and I'm gonna do everything I can to protect them. And Odin is really it's a lot of of work to be able to connect with him, to be able to to work with him because you really have to be on on that higher level of um of gnosis of spiritual development so i had so many thoughts i took a couple notes while you were talking so great so just we'll i'll go through them so when you're talking about the all father i thought immediately that shiva because that's the mahadev that's the greater god it's the god above all the gods so he does not appear in the world does not he does he does take other forms called bhairava which is Mm -hmm. like the ferocious one and if you were going to give him a vedic attribution usually it's rudra sometimes it's agni the god of fire or the god of light to be either or or both so he also has a lot in common with thor donar because they look a lot alike i mean as much as they can look alike, obviously he's blue, but um, <laughs> but they he also can descend in on a pillar of thunder or a pillar of lightning. So I think that's really interesting. That sounds a lot like Donar, yeah, who is of course um, the son of uh, of Odin. So so there is so Shiva does have obviously he has multiple children. I think we talked about one of them last, but he does have multiple children. He has his son skanda who's the god of war mm-hmm. but he's not the god of war as in like an aries god of war or like a mars god of war he's a jupiter god of war like he's actually not the god of war uh, he's actually the god of logic yeah. yeah and not blacksmithing but he makes tools like he makes these like keys that's what they really are they're keys and yeah. they're used to turn the sphere of different things celestial locks gate that kind of stuff treasury oh that's sorry that's that's interesting sorry go ahead go, go on in a, a bit of a, a tangent here that's uh because uh jupiter or uh, dias pater um kind of connects or you can you can make connections with uh tier or tiwas yeah is set to be uh, like Mars, um, but he is um, he is the god of justice and uh, the one who uh, who changed chains his well, his his dog his puppy uh, his you know Fenrir. Um, he well he makes it he makes it so that uh, Fenrir can be chained, which um, cost him his hand because that was an act of betrayal on uh on his part but betrayal because you know basically odin had foreseen that fenrir was the one who would start uh or who would kick off 
Ragnarok. Therefore, he was. Therefore, Odin said, "Like, okay, we're gonna need to chain him up." And Tyr, I'm really sorry. I know he's, you know, he's your, he's your dog, he's your pet, and you love him. But we're gonna need your help with this because he's the only one. Um, you are the only one he trusts. So Tyr made him a deal that uh, he's got. He was gonna put his. I want to say his left, probably his left hand in uh Fendir's mouth and like th th they were making a game of it so you know the first set of chain chains was uh you know was easily broken Fendir was like ha 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 that's it like come on guys really second pair of change chains that was a little harder still could be broken the third of change was dwarven made so you know that that stuff is strong and Fenrir had his doubts he was like okay like i'm probably gonna be able to break those because like hello i'm Fenrir <laughs> come on um but like i don't I don't trust I don't trust you. I don't trust the the other gods. Like Tyr, I trust you. So Tyr was like, okay, you know what? As like a, a sacrifice, as a self-sacrifice, I'm gonna put my hand in your mouth. And when you are indeed being betrayed, you can bite it off as repayment. So you know, you talking about locks and keys and Jupiter, Diaspater, it really made me think of Tyr. Okay, so this is super interesting. I just did, as you know, I just did a show with General Lee this morning. Mm -hmm talked about the goddess who in um the avestan language which is the indo-iranian language here is assigned a star i don't know if it's the same for you guys it's kind of considered to be serious dog star so oh that, that would make sense and then the wolf stuff all makes sense too because we do have a wolf goddess not a god but mm -hmm. uh, she is like the primordial titan or the primordial creatrix and she is often depicted as riding a wolf or she has a wolf's head so and the left-handed thing sorry i want to do this because i think you'll like it is so the left-handed stuff is really interesting because if you say tear is skanda which i totally agree with i could totally see that that mm -hmm. actually makes a lot of sense right now. Like it's kind of like light bulb moment for me. <laughs> so if so in the Puranic story and in the Garuda Tantra, Skanda throws the book of Tantra. So all the left-handed knowledge and it's specifically Vamacharya. Like it's, that's what it's called left-handed throws it into the ocean and it's swallowed by a giant fish so all the left-handed knowledge was trapped for one yuga for one cycle of the world and there have been three cycles of the world he said fenrir has changed three times well there have been three yeah. cycles the three turning of the wheel then um sorry you said one more thing that was like so interesting so the the even the idea of the chains like skanda obviously locksmith like logic guy with the keys but then the goddess who is on Sirius B, she has an arrow. When she shoots the arrow, the arrow also functions much like a lock. And Skanda also is the name of the tools we use in Buddhism. Although it's not called Skanda, he uses other Sanskrit names like Kilaya, Kumara, Subramanya. So all of our bladed tools in Buddhism are also named after that god. Mm. So I think I thought that's really cool. Yeah. No, that is, that is really cool. Like I'm, I'm seeing that he is um, mostly portrayed as missing his his right hand, but I think it would make more sense actually for him to. Uh, and this is, you know, going against all that's that's written, of course. But I think it would make more sense for him to um, to be missing his left hand first of all because it was. Um, well, Odin, basically, who betrays Fenrir, Odin is said to be a left-hand path god. And, of course, you know, if you're associated with 
war or combat to carry your uh, your sword or your spear or whatever you carry it in your right hand. So you know, even though most depictions are with him uh, missing missing his right hand, I think it would make more sense he was missing his left. But that's really no. Actually, I think you're right. I think that's a tantric. Like I'm calling it a tantric idea of Norse, so it's not tantric, but. I actually no, it, it comes from, uh, I'd say it comes from the from the same source. But. I agree. I totally agree. It does. It's opening the uh, my eyes are opening more every day. But I think that that is true. And I think when they show the right hand, I think it's exactly that. I think it's for when you see, or this is how I would do it, is that for the normal person to look at it, they look mm -hmm. at it and say, oh, okay, he lost his hand. And it doesn't really matter which one. That's the normie version. But then the more you go on that path the more you understand which hand is really lost and why so that totally makes sense to me that's something that is very common in buddhism um we call it skillful means sometimes which means is like you show an image that is not tantric but it mm -hmm. has subtle tantric meanings like there are meanings within it but it, it it's not necessarily people wouldn't recognize any of it unless you really know so i think that's what how i would understand me yeah but I think there's a lot there. And I also think it's really interesting because Shiva is the creator. So if we say Odin has like, there's obviously some kind of element that is in related, I think, mm -hmm. between like Shiva who sits at death or Shiva who is like kind of outside the world, but like occasionally emanates into the world. I think that there's a commonality, how ferocious they both are. And he is the husband of Dumavat. Like she swallows him, yes, and like oh. all of that. But they are married. Because that, right, like I said last time, Tantra isn't really poly. It's really monistic, mm -hmm. but it's relatively chaotic in its monism. So you treat everybody as a distinct ontological entity. Everybody's their own person, their own likes, dislikes, days of worship, all of that. But you kind of also recognize that they all kind of go back into the All-Father. So that's one way of thinking about it. Yeah. Or the All-Mother or the union, hypostatic union at the top of the tree. So those are all different ways you can think of it. Really, you're, it's all, they are treated as distinct people. So every one of like the Tantra goddesses is usually married to Shiva or married to a Bhairava, terrifying one. So I think that sounded really similar when you explained that about Odin and um, Tyr. And I just see a lot with Skanda. And Skanda is more of a Tamil god. So he is much more highly venerated in the south of India. And it's interesting because because Sri Lanka plays such a huge role in um, like the Ramayana and how mm -hmm. the distinction between the Asuras and the Devas, which is definitely something I wanted to touch on you, I touch you on with, with you again. Because I thought when you were talking about Freya, you said that she's an honorary Aesir. I'm hope hopefully I'm right with that. Yeah. So that is the same as Shiva's first wife. She was, well, sort of. I mean, she is both. So in the earlier Vedic text, there's very little distinction made. Like, yes, there is a distinction made, but the, it's not so all children of the same people, usually. So they mm -hmm. really are very related. I've been thinking lately, what if it isn't so supernatural? Maybe it's just factions, like ideological factions, like say right or left. Maybe that's all it is. People take a side and then, you know, they kind of adopt the identity. That's sort of a thought I had. I don't know. Maybe that's a little too much, but... Yeah, I know that that makes it makes sense because, uh, of course, you had the um, 
the the big war between the the Aesir and the Vanir, and that can also be understood to be the war between um, the the Neolithic farmers and um, like more the the warrior culture, like the the, the warrior tribes who uh, you know rode over the uh, the steppe, of yeah. course. Yeah, um, always comes back to the Scythian. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like they. I've been, there are such an interesting people and there's so, you can say so much about them and then like it, it still wouldn't be, you know. No, it's not enough. I mean, you can trace so many of the uh, Buddhist gods even. So that's what I think is so interesting is that the Norse sagas is what it's sounding like to me from when you're describing it. Is they're like a very updated version. They're not stuck in the past, but they are much more parallel to like Buddhism or like Tantric Hinduism than they're not. Like I'm seeing a lot more there. I don't know if yeah. you are. Maybe that's just my imagination. But well, I feel no, like there's I can, a lot. Yeah, and I've been. Um, this is this is interesting because uh, if we're uh, like um, I'm I'm looking up the um, the Wikipedia article um, real quick for um, uh, Skanda, and apparently he is writing or near or that's that's his. Uh, iconography often with a Indian peafowl. Yes, peacock. Well, or, yeah, peacock, which is a incredibly um, important alchemical symbol as well. Like it's it's always um, like I've I've been I'm still trying to make my uh, my way through the um, the ten hour video of Might Unveiled on the the Humunculus and all that is uh, that is connected with it. Um, also, the the story of Christ connected with it because yes, a hundred percent with it's some in, in in some interpretations you could say, especially how it's portrayed in um, in like the the art, like medieval art, and especially the um, Renaissance art. Uh, you could say the Christ is a Humunculus and he is always or a lot of those artworks there is always a peacock portrayed with it as like a alchemical uh alchemical symbol and i believe it's either represents christ or represents the divine um there's so much information in that video i have to watch it multiple times to um to actually remember it but it's it's so funny that how like just that bird alone if we, if we just take it as a bird is associated with divinity and of course with his his feathers especially in the males of course um with the the ice, or what looks to be ice, on there, which ah uh, now reminds me of how people think that um, one of those biblical angels is portrayed like nothing but a wheel with eyes. Okay, so sorry, I was taking a couple of notes because <laughs> no, that's 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 perfectly perfectly fine. This is such a like I'm making all kinds of connections and going on tangents. Yeah, so that's how I feel. That's how I feel. So I'm gonna circle back a little bit. Yeah, so sure. So Sorry about that. <laughs> don't know. Don't, don't be sorry. Don't apologize. That was great. So Fenrir, I just want to finish that because I think there's a lot. So Ekajati, yeah. Fenrir, people should definitely, if, if they're interested, that's an interesting line of inquiry, I think. And she also howls. I don't know if that's a Fenrir thing, but her like whistle or howl, it's described differently in different texts. But mm -hmm. when whistles that becomes the sound of mantra so it's the sound of spoken spells so i don't know if you find that oh, interesting oh that okay that, that's pretty interesting so and her husband because you were saying like tear is the 
kind of like the keeper. So that, she is the nursemaid. She is the nursemaid to Tyr or to Skanda. I just think it's crazy. I'm still about the star. That's, oh, and that, that also really makes me think of um, Roman mythology, Romulus and Remus, who were raised by a she-wolf, like found yeah. and raised by yeah. a she-wolf. Yes, 100%. I, okay, I never even thought of that. That's really great. Okay, so that's definitely something to look up later. And <laughs> but Tyr, I don't think I articulated well. So Tyr is a Sirius A. He also has a twin star, which is Sirius B. So that's mm -hmm. a sign of the goddess. So she has a bow and arrow. Okay, that's her main kind of symbol. And but Tyr, oh. oh no, sorry, go ahead. No, that's this is a really good comment from uh, from uh, from Josh. Thank Josh. I I never. Like the the chanting the mantra that's that's weird. That is the the spelling uh, the the spoken words of gods. You know what is connecting us us all together. That's such a good connection. See, this is why I I love having him as you know friend and tribal elder. And yeah, and this is this is a tangent that he's been uh, on lately. Speaking of Tyr, um, they were Tyrsinian, so like the sons of Tyr. So apparently his lineage goes way far back and uh, comes out of the like the, the Mediterranean or uh, like Asia Minor. Asia Minor, for sure. Because Tyr is also an Iranian god. I don't know if you knew that. That I didn't know. No. Yeah, he is all, and it's basically the same. It sounds so similar, like to the Zoroastrian god and um, so he. So one thing that is really interesting that I thought of was that so if he's assigned a star and Ekajati is also actually assigned a star, she's the mother of the seven mothers. So she's the Pleiades mother. So the seven, mm -hmm. like they're called the Matricas, which are the mothers. So they when they come, it's like Eris from the Greek myth when she rides on her chariot or whatever, she turns the sky red. So when Ekajati descends to the world, descends to hell, she turns the sky red and brings all the chaos. And it's only Tyr who can put a stop to all the chaos, or Skanda. Because he tells them, oh. we're throwing away all the left-handed methods. So if we yeah, have no yeah, left-handed yeah. methods, no one can invoke the mantra. And apparently there's um, also this Armenian god uh, called Tyr, but spelled T, uh, T-I-R. Yes. Um, who is identified by the Greeks as Apollo and Hermes, but I have always heard that Hermes was more connected to Odin. However, uh, there, there are... It's a connection. There are stories, there are um scholars who uh who believe that you know since Tyr is connected to Diaspater Jupiter who was um you know the the ruler of the gods that he may have been the original all father and that at some point in history or mythological history or whatever um Odin took over that role there there's still some some debate on that well it's interesting but the Puran the Tantric and the Puranic stories basically have an answer for exactly what you're saying. So they said that Tyr or Skanda, which mm -hmm. I personally I'm seeing it, like I see it, but maybe I am jumping to a conclusion. But anyways, he was the god of the last age. He was the god of the age before the eighth century. So that whole like pre pre-tantric time. 
he's considered to be the god of like, I don't know, I guess it's in 800 year cycles. So 1 AD, so like a Jesus time till mm-hmm. like 800 AD. So he was okay. the god of that era. And then the wheel turned again. A different god became important or the main. Mm-hmm. Then in 2130, it's going to change again. That's that's the idea. Whether that happens or not, I'm just, it's just, uh, it's an interesting allegory. Yeah. No, but that does, that kind of does make sense because Tyr is, uh, of course, connected to, you know, to Ragnarok. And it's, um, funnily enough, it's because Fenrir was chained that uh, Ragnarok did happen because that was basically his revenge on the gods. So Odin, by wanting to prevent it, actually made sure it happened. See, so they're all playing their role. So they're all being the actors in the play. They're also like doing very, I mean, I can't even believe how much similarity it is because that's exactly what it is. It's Skanda, subjugates Ekajati in hell. So she just has to perform her karmic function, which is basically to eat dead bodies, to release, liberate them to the smoke. That's kind of the idea. So they can go up and be reborn again. So he subjugates her. Eventually what happens is, is too much smoke, too much ether accumulates at the top. So they have to kind of distill it back down. And so you'll see like in the Puranic stories, there's always the turning of the uh, milky ocean. Because the universe is considered to be made up of different cult, like different bands on a ring of an ocean. And you find that you find that again in Norse mythology as well. The um, um, the cow whose milk uh, like spilled and made the made the Milky Way. Uh, like I, I don't know the story exactly, but um, yeah, that's that's something. That's cr- just just cows in general. Like they are, you can find them in so many religions. Like okay, they are but- also tight engine. Whatever. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no don't. Be sorry. It was really good. I was just going to say, you know that there is the divine cow. It's called the divine wish-making cow, Kamadeni. She is like a sphinx, but she's a cow, not a lion. But she basically is that. They milk her. This is a Puranic story. This is not a Tantric story. But they mm-hmm. milk her, and she basically makes the Milky Way. That's what, I mean, that's basically what happens. That's like how they distill the nectar. All yeah. The corn. So, uh... Josh just sent me something over um, Telegram DM confirming your uh, your timeline. So I want to pull that up real quick. That this um, starting in the age of Taurus, the bull or the cow, if you will, and going into Gemini, the twins. So Romulus, Remus. Yes. Um, and the twin is Ganesh. The twin is Ganesh. Just you can keep going, but the twin is Ganesh. Yeah. No. Um. This is. Uh. It's it's something that I'm still kind of learning as well. It, it all started with um the show I did with Micah Dank on astrotheology, which is really interesting. And this is actually a closer representation of the uh, solar year because it it doesn't start in in December, of course. But um, yeah, moving, like we're moving into the the age of Aquarius, Aquarius, of course. So, and then the- That's a good thing from a Buddhist perspective. That's a good thing. That's not a negative. That's what we want. Yeah. The the waters above. Um, The Pisces, the, you know, the the two fish or the the Cancer, the 69. Um, Oh, it's still sharing? Why is it still sharing? Okay. There we go. Um, that is very much duality, of course. That's the, um, the yes. waters below. Um, so, yeah. the 
this who I say is at Kether or who is the tantric conception of the top top of the tree or the liberating mm-hmm. the liberating goddess, the goddess who is not the yoni. So the goddess who does not birth creation, but in a way she also does. So I'll say that and then also the paradoxical thing. But anyways, she is Chinamasta. Chinamasta is the most, I never usually even talk about her like on any other episode. So just for you, Stein. But, uh, Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, but she severs her own head. That's what her name is. So she severs hmm. her own head. But she does not die. So she conquers death. So she stands upon um, the divine couple. So she stands upon herself and she gives nectar to the whole world and all the... So she basically performs a Christ-like action in that she sacrifices herself, but she actually doesn't die. She's actually in like her Buddha state because... You know the story, she reattaches her head like a flitter. But at that exact moment is both creation and destruction. So it's like a big explosion, like a big bang. People don't have to believe in the big bang theory. I'm just saying just a good conceptual way to understand it. It's a huge explosion. It's lightning. It's a volcano. It's all of it at the same time. So It's it's, it's what you could say um, in Norse mythology, you could say like that's the primordial fire and the primordial ice coming together, you know, clashing yes. with each other. Yes, a hundred percent. And that, like in the Yadhe Vadhe, fire and water, what do you get when you mix them together? Steam. <laughs> that's right. Which, uh, which, you know, for like, of course, has its relation to smoke. Just smoke is very, it's a lot scary. Like, yeah, well, smoke comes from fire, steam comes from water. So that's right. That's right. It's just a different point of transmutation. And that's how we kind of think of the goddesses or God. It's like different points in the timing, different points in their story. They become different people, but they're all really just part of a cycle that comes back to the one. So she is at the top of the tree for Aquarius. Like she is Uranus and then gives her blood Christ-like to all creation. So Mm -hmm. What you could say is, is that she's also saying, so she's the most tantric of all the goddesses. She's like, there's no goddess that is more tantric, secret, special, magical than her. Like, yes, others have powers that are like faster, whatever, but her practice is considered the most ferocious. It's only reserved for the highest viras, the highest heroes. Yeah. Right? Because she's like a soldier. She's almost like it's like it's her themes are self-sacrifice, self-control, you know, and personal power, like having like it within you, Mm -hmm. not externalizing it, not externalizing violence, but being able to like protect your family, protect yourself, that kind of stuff. So she is the goddess of the Aquarian turn in the tantric concept. So I think that's really interesting too, because in Pisces, you have Jesus dying for everybody's sins, whether you Mm -hmm. believe it or not, it can be an allegory. And it doesn't matter because in Buddhism, it doesn't matter whether you believe in it, believe in it, or you treat it just like an allegory. It's okay either way. If it's true for you, that makes it true. That's right. Very much co-creative with reality. So yeah, so that's how I think. I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts. Obviously, I'm sorry that I was like. Uh, no, 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 no. That that makes that makes a lot of sense, and that really, um, like going into the age of of Aquarius, how you described it, and with the uh, the pagan revival, of course, seriously should trademark that term. Um, you know, we see a return of the old gods uh, in uh, in the West and in the East. Yes. And we have been talking about that in uh, in the tribe, uh, and 
you know, on the podcast and wherever we, you know, talk about this, this stuff. Um, our gods are very much about um, self-sustainability. So, and uh, they are, especially the Aesir, they are those warrior gods. They are the protectors, you know, and especially as the man, you are the head of the household. Your job is to protect and to make sure that, um, you know, that your your wife, your kids have the best life there is. Like, it's very, very traditional, but um, like never violence just for violence sake. And yeah. Uh, I, oh, you, you posted something like that on uh, Twitter today. I don't know exactly what that's. Oh, look, oh, look. But, you know, at least in, in self-defense. So don't be the first one to raise your hand. But, uh, you know, and this is where a lot of people who are like, who are new to, uh, to paganism, this is where they, it's, it's an argument they use against uh, Christianity. Although I do believe there is more to that like in Christianity. If we look at it very superficially, it's, you know, turn the other cheek. Oh, our gods say, <laughs> fuck that. You know, he slapped you, slapped the motherfucker back. Like, come on. Don't be the first, but don't like that doesn't mean do not retaliate, but in self-defense. So it's okay to be violent. It's okay to uh, like you're you're expected to to train also because that gives you that uh, that self-control. Like a marsh, not a martial goddess, but a martial arts goddess, like a goddess of the knowledge of war, not war itself. To make that distinction, she's not a warring goddess. She's not a conquering goddess. She is a martial goddess, though, in the other ways of that. It's more, yeah, in- yeah and I, I, yeah, no, I, I'd say that, um, that our gods are like pretty much the same way. They're, they're not yeah. saying, you know, go out there and conquer new land. No, but- I didn't mean that your gods were like that. I meant. I was hearing when you were saying it, like very similar things, like self-sustaining community, understand yeah. like what you're doing, like knowing your role. I know you just had Ethan on yeah. doing a show about that and it's kind of daunting to follow him, but that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. That was, um, uh, well, we, we, uh, we recorded that uh, a while ago, but that just, uh, released on the Pagan podcast indeed on the audio platforms with, uh, with Ethan Indigo. He is such a, he is such a great mind to, uh, no, for real. to have on and such, he has such a, a, a brain to pick and yeah, he's, he's awesome. Um, but yeah, like Ma- Marshall in the sense of like, know how stuff and know, yeah, to, she's a, know a, she's to defend a, yourself. She is very ferocious. If people look up, there are stories I'm not advocating it. I don't think it's, but she makes people very, it's very difficult to worship her. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the saints called her, it's like waking a sleeping tiger by grabbing the tail of a cobra and throwing it in the cave and seeing what happens. So that is... that's that's quite the allegory i mean that's yeah yeah. because what happened was so like this so in the traditional Quranic time, they would do the Durga Puja, which happens four times a year, traditionally. Mm-hmm. So it's the goddess who's bringing in the spring, Navaratri. So it's the nine nights of Durga. Okay. So she is doing her thing. So they're all doing it. So these priests at a tantric temple who were not Chinamastaka Upasakas, they didn't really understand her, obviously. They decided to do a puja for her 
at the same time. It's her assigned day, but she's only really invoked like maybe two or three times a year at this one temple. Mm -hmm. So they decided to do it outside of that time. And then crazy things at the temple started happening. There was like all these lightning strikes. A bunch of priests had heart attacks. Like it wasn't really, it was funny, but it's not really funny. But, and so they had to go get this guy who was a Tara Sadaka, like a expert master of green Tara. And he had to come calm her down to come do like this puja to just like make the statue go to sleep again so i just think that that's really into wow that's that was a very unwise thing to do <laughs> and she's also associated with lightning i just want to say that one of her yeah names is... no go ahead i'm sorry no no it, like uh, it's 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 so funny because like they uh like the heart attack and whatever like that's also a um it's, it's like a a short circuit yes of, you know of the heart so you could that's what i that. thought too like that's that's very much a electric um yes. he's electric event he as well electric. and yeah and that uh i don't i don't know where i where i got this uh this from again but uh like in connection with the uh the moon and the sun and that uh like we associate the moon with being female of course and uh this is like kind of going into the you know the the sexy stuff so that's uh, okay kids, i'm not like, you know i'm anti i just that's not special at like, all so kids uh pluck your ears uh this is like a bit a bit 18 plus um <laughs> but you know the the moon of course like controls waters yeah um, yeah so and uh the female orgasm is set to Yes. Come over them as yeah. a as a way. Yes. That's and, no all real. It's all this is hundred percent tantra, it's hundred percent true. Yeah, no, and, and the moon, yeah. of course, you know, the like the, the solar rays very uh like very strong and can like can give sudden some bursts, like sudden electrical bursts, if we're talking about like solar no. rays, yeah. for example, and like that being in uh like also in connection with than the no, no no it's not the opposite um sorry josh is telling me it's the opposite no this is just just from what i heard and this is this makes sense to me that like the sudden jolt, the sudden shock of a solar event like that being equated to the male orgasm because that's like a very short high and then you know that's it yes, yes. okay so so you're totally right. So all of this is Chinamasa, except that if you look at an Indian depiction of her, she is standing upon Rati and Kama. So she is standing upon the goddess of lust and the god of lust. So, but there's another way of understanding. There's another layer, we'll say. So mm -hmm. then she looks down and she can be standing on Bhairavi and Bhairava. So her as the ferocious red female deity with Shiva, who's the blue ferocious male deity. But then she can also stand upon herself as Chakra Sambara, who's the image you know from the last time. So it's the Buddhist image. So that is the highest Buddha of the highest Buddha. So when she stands upon it and severs her head, she's severing her own lust. She's taming the dragon. So only she can ride the dragon because she is the dragon. Oh, okay. It is all the electricity. She is the power. She is the 10,000 suns. She is wears the crown of the moon on her on her on her crown. She wears like a the moon on her crown. So all of that belongs on, to on the on the corona. Yeah. 
Yes, yeah, 100%. So all of that is 100% true. There is, so this is the thing with the sex tantra and like how I, is that the sex thing is the outer of the outer, but mm-hmm. the inner of the inner is really internal. It's really understanding yourself, understanding your will, understanding God. So you could say that it's like ultimate, it's like the highest magic, the highest form of sorcery, the sorcery to get closer to God. So that yeah. is what she is. She is not like a sexual act in any way. She is beyond love. She liberates herself from all material, like, because her, the problem with the, not the problem, but the female concert always wants to save humanity, always wants to turn her back when she's in coita. She always wants to see who is crying to her for help. Mm-hmm. She under she answers that by severing her own head and offering her blood to the world. So offering all the purified nectar. So she is like the ultimate of the ultimate. I know that's like a long-winded way, but no, I mean she she's not sex. That's really important. I think that just don't look at Yeah, no, I mean uh, there's 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 a difference, of course. Like you can have sex just because it, it feels good and for procreation yeah. and of course, you know, for tantric meditation purposes and whatever. Like it's it's another not a threefold really yes 100 percent. you know it is and it can be but i'm just saying for that practice she is not specific she is the anti-sex one because she is the more you're totally in control it's not anti-sex i don't mean it like it's, she's not approved she's naked but i just mean she isn't that isn't her thing her thing is if you have really good self-control if you have really good self-control over lust and violence and anger she can be really helpful for you if you can you know, if you can manage to get up there and that's the challenge. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. Um, lust can, you know, lust or like frustration out of, out of lust that can do, you know, crazy stuff with people. And that's, you know, that's the like true growth, true spiritual growth is you managing to you know, get over that point. And uh, like Josh is, he is making a good point about, the moon being masculine and the sun being feminine because that is uh really the case in norse mythology and oh, I, can, I, I, I can i can i can definitely see that as well because you know the sun is of course you know the the life life giver without the sun like nothing would would grow it's you know it gives us light it gives us warmth and the moon <laughs> what we're being told uh of course like the more i watch like decodes or whatever the more i have my doubts about it but no. the, the the moon can't uh, shine without sun, and I think uh, in like everyday life, uh, you know, like it's true what they say: behind every great man, there is a good woman. Enjoy listening to podcasts, and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated, and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast? easily well now there is introducing podcasting made easy from podcasting audio my production team will handle your entire audio production allowing you to be the star of your show this is podcasting made easy how easy well so easy you don't even have to press record now that's easy your listeners are waiting let's deliver sign up for a free strategy call today at podcasticaudio.com slash easy and i i you know i have firsthand experience with that fortunately enough with um 
with Firefake and like firsthand experience, like with the the other side. If you have a yeah. if you have a woman standing behind you who is only holding you back, well, you, well, you do have those those aspirations and those wants to get somewhere. You're not. Well, Fireface, she you know she does support me. She is you know when needed. She is the lights in my. In my darkness, she is the the sun shining on the things that I can see. And um, yeah, as uh, as Josh says in uh, in chat, that's that's very true, of course, as well. That the the man being, you know, the guardians of the of the family, guardians of the tribe, they stayed awake at night, guarding the the village, the tribe from uh <laughs> from danger and so that uh you know the um, the women and the the elderly and the kids would have a safe night because you know darkness and night we do associate that with danger because we can't see what's out there and all the creepy crawlies come out at night of course so it, it is uh, it it <sighs> I do believe it's very much both, but no. if we're if we're talking about the the sexual aspect, I do think it makes more sense to say that the moon uh, is feminine because of the waves and like the the solar rays, like just that that jolt, like that's okay. that, that's the male orgasm. I agree. No, that totally makes sense. I I'm totally on board. But let me complicate it for you. So in oh, Vedic, even more, okay. The moon is a is a dude. <laughs> the moon is always a dude. It's Chandra. Okay. But mm -hmm. we're just talking about the gross planets, like the physical, whether you believe in space or not, okay? It doesn't matter. It's conceptual reality. That's how you have to just the narrative. Sure. So the moon is a guy. The sun is also a guy, Surya, okay? Mm -hmm. So they are just the physical manifestations, but there is the third secret sun. So the third secret sun is the unified couple or Chinamasta. It can be either or. Depends on what tantra you're reading. So I think that you're totally right. I think that it's the complementary systems that are unified and are the like the but i don't think it necessarily matters and i think that both of the planets like the moon definitely has a lot of gender fluidity kind of like elements to it mm -hmm. the sun also has like a very masculine quality but then we can also say like the rising sun and the setting sun are very red and that seems to have more of a feminine orientation yeah so well, i think we I, can say, yeah sorry go ahead uh, no yeah you're oh this is a good one and the the eclipse is the joining of the two it's the yeah you know it's the it's the marriage it's the alchemical yep. marriage and yes. like speaking of the alchemical marriage i I've, i have been diving a little more into uh, alchemy and spiritual alchemy lately. And there is this one classic picture from the alchemical marriage depicting the man as solar and the uh, the woman as lunar. And this is like, this is a, a classic uh, depiction of the, uh, the alchemical marriage, but it seems to like agree with that idea. Although, I don't know, you know, fire can fire the sun. It can also very, very much be feminine. Like nope. fire, fire is very destructive, but then again, yeah. you know, it, it, does like for fertile ground okay well let me complicate this for you again so you can also say the moon <laughs> the moon because okay so what is the most lunar of all the herbs is camphor everybody mm. knows white camphor it looks lunar it smells lunar it's just it's analgesic it's just very lunar. yeah it's so hot i mean it's so cold excuse me 
that it's actually physically hot. Like you will irritate yourself by putting it on your skin. So it's a kind of fire. So I'm just saying the moon can possess a kind of fire. There is that gross element. It has all five elements are there. And you can also say in, in Buddhism, so there is no alchemical marriage per se, because the primordial and future state is always unified. So the marriage is the part that we live. So it's our human life. It's our living out our karma. That is the marriage. It's like us figuring the non-duality out because it's the unification of the three trees. So it's like the blue pillar and the red pillar, but then the white pillar in the middle. It's the unification of all three inside of you. So that's another way to think of it. That's how Buddhism thinks of it. So just that's just a conceptual thing to like give. You I know are, that's really complicated. You, you are complicating things and it's, <laughs> it's but it's it's also it's also fascinating and it it makes sense like it can be both like why why wouldn't it be both like we we live in this this duality so i mean like why couldn't that also go for you know for the universe for the planets for the um you know the the universal bodies why can't they be male and female at the same time or like why why assign a gender to them at all like i, I guess I mean, that's it's, the, it's the only time where you would really assign gender but it's useful. It, like, it's always useful because you have to kind of understand the components of what you're doing, right? Like the components of every object and you can break it down into a grammar and then understand it better and play with it, whatever. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it is useful because there are like they're complementary opposites but the pairing is the what's most important so the duality is there but then once we realize that there is no duality that it is kind of just both things at the same time not necessarily indistinct like it's not one gender still a male female in unity but they it cuts across conceptual boundaries so once we realize that our inner kingdom is the same as our outer kingdom that is kind of what buddhism is teaching us so that's just one way to think of it that's just one way but you know alchemy is really important too alchemy's tantra is really alchemy just sexual alchemy but it's like alchemy of the whole world like today with general lee who loves mm -hmm. you by the way he was we were talking about <laughs> he's so excited he's gonna kill me for saying but he's so excited for you to go to the uk anyways oh, me, me too me too definitely and uh we were talking about the transmutation of mercury from mm -hmm. into quicksilver but i think we talked about that a little bit before but what is important about that is that it's still it's like a toxic substance that becomes unified into a medicinal substance so that's how you have to think of like all things like everything in extreme can so if we all get overly focused on saying okay the moon is feminine because xxxx and then the sun is masculine because xxxx we're so, we're too focused on the distinction that doesn't matter yeah but once we can kind of let it go and say in this instance the moon is feminine but in this instance the sun is feminine like once we can understand that there's a little bit of both and there's give and take then it becomes more we see start seeing the pattern more clearly because then we're not trying to make things fit our pattern we're kind of letting the universe say it in a chaotic way i don't know if that helps i it was just it was just a way i thought of it <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's it's a lot and i i'm definitely gonna have to think this over like at least three times before it makes <laughs> any it makes any sense but no it, it's it's yeah Trans transmutation, alchemical transmutation. Uh, it's inside yeah. and outside. That's what people should know. Within and without, not above and below. 
within and without. I mean, you like as within, so without is also the as above, so below. If you're saying that, um, you know, this realm is like the the other realms. If we are like the uh, the other gods, if we are fragmentations of the gods of you know the the one god, whoever god you uh, you want it to be, you know, we see them as above us usually, right? So. Well, that's that, when we're starting that, off. That's when we're at Malkuth. When we don't know better, we see them as uh, up, uh, at the top. Yeah. Okay. Once we get there, we kind of, the less distinction becomes obvious. Like we start to blur the lines a little. Yeah. You know, coming into um, or going into like archetypes and archetypical beings. Yes. Like, you know, I. I have been, um, like people said to me a few times that, you know, they, they do see a lot of Thor in me, you know, wanting to be that protector and having that, um, you know, kind of that, that warrior mentality. And like, I don't know if it's because, you know, he is the God that I can connect with most or that I can connect with him most because I see so much of myself in him or whatever but that is that is the the as within so without so yeah and you know we can choose we get to choose our issues of auto we get to choose who is in our inner sphere our inner like our daft sphere is within us we get to choose what's reflected in it so if we choose to put thor there we're going to be more thor like if we choose to put someone else there we're going to be more like them that's why people should be very careful about who goes in that sphere because it really matters yeah and like even for the physical, as you know, as Josh says, when we you know eat plastic and fake food, we become plastic and fake. When we watch like yep. dumb dumb TV shows, we're you know dumber for it. So keep your kingdom clean. That's the that's the trick to the world. Like it is discernment and wisdom, and not letting things that are external. That's very it's important. The kingdom of God right yep. you are the kingdom of god god lives within you the gods live through you live in in you so you know you are your body is the temple of god your you know your being is the kingdom of god yep so you have to treat yourself with respect and you have to also treat your inner sphere with respect and if you choose to have a god in there not everybody i'm not saying people should do that i'm just saying if you choose that Make sure that you're respecting them. Make sure you're respecting your teachers. Make sure, like, the people who are teaching you the things about your religion or your spirituality. Like, those, that's really important. And, like, I know in Norse, which I think is really always a very cool is that you guys pay a lot of like homage to the people that came before. That's a really important concept in Buddhism as well. Yeah, very, very ancestral uh, aligned, very an ancestral. Ancestral worship is a, is a big thing, indeed. Like, and I do see that um, that more and more. I see that more people are beginning to understand it because, like, if you are alive today, that means that, like, technically speaking, your like very first ancestor was one of the first human beings. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here today. And but I, I do believe that people also have a tendency to look um, too far back. Like that's actually that's actually one of the things. Like I'm, I am currently still writing uh, writing my book. Of course, that's one of the things that I'm uh, kind of writing about now. Like one of the the things that I'm getting into in the story that your ancestors are also your your grandparents. Yes. You know, are also 
your your parents even because yeah. if it wasn't for your parents you wouldn't be here you are a you know a product of your parents you are a reflection of your parents i mean i can i can say for myself that when i became when I became a father myself, I like I caught myself more and more sounding like my father or, you know, saying things or doing things that my father did or, you know, still does. So, you know, don't just think like, oh, ancestors, that's like the people hundreds, thousands of years ago. No, that's that's your bloodline from like yes. now to all those thousands, maybe millions of years ago. It is that that whole line, that whole lineage. No, I totally agree with that. I think it's we need to look to the now, to the very much the present, who is like our family, our kingdom, our home are like tribe those are very important concepts for now and for the new age as well so you know like where i think we're all on the same page and buddhism definitely would call like the norse religion or the norse complex they would say it's a kind of dharma like in the same way that we call like christians we say they practice christian dharma Mm -hmm. they're still practicing dharma it might not be our dharma it might not be the exactly the same interpretation but we're all just doing our best to move through the world the best way we can yeah and that's really difficult but you know and that's it and that's what dharma is it's just like we're all living up to like we have the expectations of ourselves the the ex from our parents from our grandparents and we also have to like kind of be in the world so yeah yeah that's really and cool like also even though it is still you know wide open it's, it's what we got to talking a little before we uh we started recording um like we do have to take into account the future even though it is still you know wide open like everything can still happen like my future like a a, a big part of my future is uh, of course fire fay and my kids our kids like she corrects me every time when i say my kids because it's our kids yes dear um so but that's like that's a part of uh, of the fu- of my future that i have chosen to be in there like constantly so you know my kids are very important to me firefay is very important to me so i do have to take care of them as well keeping in mind um you know the lessons that the gods have taught me the lessons that my ancestors have taught me are teaching me but um don't don't look too much into the past because you know it's real real easy to just look into the past because we know a lot about what happened in the past because it's already happened. We can recall it. We have you know, written it down, made whole movies about it, whatever. But the future is scary. My kids are still, you know, they're still young. Right. And looking at the world today, sometimes, yeah, I do fear for the future. I do fear yep. for, for their future, for the world that's that they well, they are growing up in you know current time um but you know that's also done on me as their father to help them through those times to help guide them through those times so that they too can become the best versions of themselves you know through the hardships of the times that lay ahead of us lay ahead of them yes all we can do is just you know just make sure that we have our like we know what we want and what our will is and you know that's what's important is to know what you want what your will is and you know your sphere of influence just make sure it's strong yeah and this is this is another strong comment from uh from josh he's every time he's um you know either in the chapter on the podcast he was on a roll but uh when our ancestral groves or our sacred groves were taken from us um we lost not only our 
graveyards, but also our, our churches. Well, for as far as you know, we had physical churches, like our churches were those those groves. Um, I want to be burned on a pyre in a sacred grove so my descendants can visit me, the gods. Well, you can if you go to India. Uh, they do do that. That's that's true. That is true. Bro, you could do it. And yeah, this is this is a thing that we are really uh, fighting for with Triclean. We're, we're, we are taking it more serious now. There have been some developments, but I'll discuss that sometime later. Um, and this is this is serious. Like we do need to take our ceremonies and uh, religious rights back because we we have as much as a right to practice our religions as every other religion does it's not just the main the main three you know we've been talking about buddhism hinduism and like just you know i think the dharma too the dharma has been pushed out of india the dharma gets pushed out of like polite society it's like hinduism is under attack in a way in india because there is a lot of pushback from the more abrahamic faiths it's just the truth yeah yeah and it's you know we have to reclaim our territory yeah and like we can't we can't do that in a well pc manner you know like political correctness or the wokeness when it's it's gone too far wokeness that's, is that's too far sign wokeness is always too far but yeah. uh, sorry go ahead no no you you go ahead i was gonna say it breaks it it breaks too many things down to their essential components like we were talking about with the sun and the moon you don't always need to break it down to essential components we can just look at things and be like things can be just be people can be together people cannot be together like nobody really cared until it started becoming a state religion that's when it really Mm. started mattering so i'm just saying that that seems to be a really big part of what's going on as well with that and And would you say that also a big part of it is um losing the child within ourselves because if i if i look at my you know at my children my daughter is um is eight my son's five and they don't care what color you are they don't care how you're raised if you're rich if you're poor whatever if they like you they like you that's right no it is it's to taint the child it's to taint the you know, if you want to make it very occult, you could say it's to taint the coming of Aquarius, it's to taint the child, which is like a the ultimate sacrilege, if you want to say that. I don't mean in a Christian way necessarily, I mean in more of an alchemical uh, yeah. Yeah. So I definitely see all that. I definitely think that's a huge part of it. I think it's you want to manage us or manage our emotions, manage like our outcomes, political outcomes, all of it. So I think that that's why I always say like know your will, have your sphere. Keep it tight. Keep yourself protected as much as possible. And that's it. I mean, that's what we can control. We don't get that much control outside of it. No. So as long as you don't let the outside control you too yeah, much. Don't let the outside. As much as possible. Obviously, we have to. Yeah, of course. There are some some things that we just still have to do for now, at least. Yes. Uh, you know, I think that's, uh, I've been, um, like, I recently did a, um, a podcast with uh, someone who has written a book about um, like child child sacrifice and child's um, child slave trade and all the the bad stuff that that comes with it. And like we did kind of come to the same conclusion that like children are under attack, but also the child in ourselves is very much under under attack. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it's to taint us, to make us very cynical, to make us very I don't know. Like, like we can't see the world for the beauty that it has almost like we can't appreciate like how you were talking to me last time about 
how in Norse paganism you celebrate the seasons and the nature and nature is very important is to like look and observe and yeah by ruining the child within us, it's much harder to observe phenomena. We can't look at things with wonder. We can't appreciate like gods or God. We can't appreciate any of it without that kind of like childlike love and wonder. So I, I do think that's a big alchemical like reason. We become too rational, like want, want too much to... To do all. Uh, too dual we become too yeah. cartesian yeah yeah and to to put everything in neat little boxes where we can understand them yes so when my my kids like they don't understand a lot still but they don't have to they're kids they learn they understand what they need to understand you know like and that's i think that's so so beautiful in in children like my daughter's um best friends or one of her best friends is actually a girl who is <laughs> speaking of tear uh is missing uh is missing a hand like she has um like i believe one of her one of her arms like just stops halfway through her uh her un her underarm her lower arm and you now my daughter she doesn't pay any attention to that she likes that that girl for who she is and they're the best of friends and like have been ever since they you know since the first day of school and that is like if you want to associate it that's a very cabalistic process right like that's us at malkuth we don't have words assigned to the things that we see we don't have preconception of ideas yeah we don't, right we're not like assigning meaning to all everything in our world we just kind of go by like i like this person they seem nice they're good Okay, that's fine. And that's a really healthy place to be. So I do yeah. think there's definitely like an attack and an attack on spirituality too. And I think it's not just, even though I'm not, you know, necessarily Christian, I'm not Christian, but, and you're not Christian, but I think that there is a concerted effort to just take, there's um, a push for specific kinds of religious tendencies and we have to be, yeah, we have to definitely carve out our space. That yeah. is me too. Because we need to have like our connection. That is what kind of guides us through life. Yeah, and I think it's also so, like, so funny when the governments are trying to like to tell us what or what isn't a religion or a valid religion. Um, well, they push one. They push one. Yeah, you know, a religion that's that they believe is you know is good for us. Like, don't worry, we got you. Just relax. We know what's best for you. You know, let let daddy government well, take you away. You know, we have you and I because I'm in Canada, so we have a very similar uh, prime minister situation. We'll mm, just, yeah, so I do understand. Yeah, and it's like it's funny. I did a, um, a podcast uh, just a, a few days ago, um, co-hosted by thing josh with uh barry lynn a former politician who has fought a lot for uh pagan and wiccan rights in the um in the united states and he he literally said and it's it's true and it's you know the same conclusion that uh, the thing Josh came to the the government, they're very much you know like speaking of having to define everything. They don't even have a a legal definition for what a religion is. So, well, because that becomes problematic when you start to define ideologies, right? Do you push propaganda mm -hmm. or push certain ideas that you want people to practice? How is that? 
then that becomes their religion as well. And you become their God because they're that's supposed right. to listen, listen to yeah. you and do everything that you say. And that's right. I mean, that sounds very dogmatic to me. Yes. And that's why they don't codify it. That's exactly why, because then we will start to see it with like the specific flag, which we won't mention, but mm. Eddie knows what I'm talking about and you can see it and you can put it together and it's very weird. It's very occulted. It's very occulted, okay? Yeah. It doesn't mean what they say it means, and it's just, it's very strange. Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening. There's just like a lot of high strength. Yeah. Ethan uh, was actually the first one who um, who pointed us to that, that like that flag is literally the um, like literally inversion. It's literally the inversion of the chakras, you know, up is down, down is up. Well, but remember the wheel of Dharma, because that's what it is. It's a Kala chakra, like that symbol. That's another mm. way to describe it. It can turn either direction. So yes, I agree with Ethan. It is the inversion. That doesn't mean that it has to remain the inversion. It means that we can turn it whatever way. Like we have to make sure our internal spheres are working in the right order, rotating yeah. in the right order. And then that won't affect. I definitely agree that they're trying to make people see the counterclockwise turn. And then, you know, people start their own individual spheres within them get turned around, get counterclockwise. And then that's why you need Tantra to go up and fix all that, to fix all the counterclockwise stuff. That's really yeah. what it's for. So, but you shouldn't, it shouldn't be a triage. It shouldn't be like you have to treat people. It should just be people are in the world and then they can choose what they want to do. That's more how I think. Yeah. You know, and that's like, isn't that what what freedom is about? Like the freedom to to choose as long as it's, of course, there, there have to be some boundaries. There have to be some. There has to be boundaries with the kids and with other things like that. Like definitely (laughs) not, not have rules about that. People just are too degenerate, I guess. I don't know. But um, you're totally right, though. But I think that as like the divine spark within us is the free will, is the freedom to choose. We can choose to do good or choose to do bad. And that is like one of the consequences. So, you know, I do believe more in freedom. I'm like, you know, thank God for the truckers is all I'll say about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, like li- literally spraying shit. It was really epic. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I think that's a good place. We'll call it there. How does that sound? Um, an hour and a half in. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, want to go a little more? We can go a little more. Uh, no, I think this is, I think it's, I think you're right. I think we, uh, we should, uh, we didn't get to our eight legged horror. That'll be <sighs> fucking the- hell. But well, okay. we we really did, but we, we did really get through a lot. Get, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like everything you you uh, you said that uh, like oh we can like go into this and that we have done. Well, don't worry. We just free flowed. We just let it go. That's that's true. That's true. And you know that leaves us with uh, with stuff for a part three. So do that i would love to do that so it's you know it's cool either way we'll just we have free oh no 
Dude, open. I think I think you uh, you you we can talk about so much uh, so much more uh, among which the like the eight legged horse. Um, like, that is that, <laughs> okay, so m- maybe maybe end on the eight legged horse. Let 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 that not so, be the the cliffhanger okay. again. Okay, we'll, like, okay, yes, you're totally right. Cliffhanger okay. last time, so, and then like the answer now, and then okay, we'll, you're we'll totally right, totally right. Okay, so <laughs> eight legged horse. Okay, so the important thing to know is the wind horse or the river horse. So this is like the primordial horse. So it's the horse of the wind or the horse of the river that descends from heaven. Okay, so the horse rides on the river. You could also say it like that. But the okay. sky river, okay, descends to earth. So in Central Asia, the horse is uh, thought of as a very, it's an animal that's associated with the wind. So when we send up prayers, or you see Tibetans, they use the prayer flags. That is so the when the wind flows through, so when the wind horse flows through, they carry the prayers to all the gods and ancestors and local spirits and all of that. Okay. Ride so, like the winds. Yeah, okay. Ride like the winds, exactly. So then later on, when you have this belief in the wind horse meeting with Tantra, so as I mentioned, there's a god named Hayagriva who is the three horse crowned king. He's got three horse necks and faces on his head, green horses mm-hmm. okay he also has three faces one red one white one blue so he's a horse he has six legs and six arms yes but when he is with his consort he has eight legs and eight arms okay sorry it's no problem at all yeah got the gob yeah Anyway, sorry. I have one. He always does that. I love him, but he's a pain in the butt. So basically, that's that. He's like a huge, he's like a major deity. He's considered like a higher yoga deity, one of the highest yoga deities. Um, He's a protector as well as an Ishtadavada. He's very closely associated with, um, originally with Vishnu, but then he, for different reasons, gets brought into Buddhism. But he starts out as a nature spirit. So if you're familiar with the Puranic stories, he starts out as a horse-headed deity who Vishnu must defeat. Vishnu cuts off his head and then puts it on, basically, is the story. And then as Hayagriva, Vishnu gives, um, we'll call them like the Vedic Shastras or the temple tech to mm-hmm. uh, someone else. So she takes them, dispenses them among the world. Then the Buddha, Hayagriva. So there's a different Hayagriva who's also a nature spirit, but he's trained in Buddhism. So then he goes to heaven to defeat Vishnu Hayagriva. Okay. So he uh, ends up killing Hayagriva, the Vishnu Hayagriva, by cutting off his head. Well, that's not really the story, but it's a little gross. It actually has a lot to do with the ink, like the urine. He climbs inside the rectum of Hayagriva, and he expands his body. That's one of his powers. He expands his body so great that he tears apart the Vishnu. So Vishnu basically explodes. And then he takes the horse head of Vishnu and the horse head of the Asura demon, and he puts them on. So then he's wearing three horse heads. But then when he's with his consort who can sometimes be said to have a horse head, although sometimes she's also said to have a camel's head or sometimes said to have a donkey's head. So you see the idea of nature spirit, like the wind horse, he apotheosizes, becomes a god or becomes a Buddha. I think that's a cool way to explain the story. What is up with all those gods and cutting off heads and 
They really love that. I don't know. What. <laughs> really common. Um, they just, you know, it really means that you're transmuting, you're transforming yourself, you're transforming your body, you're becoming something that you weren't. But obviously, people have other theories of why they did the animal head gods. But Tantra really gives very complete explanations. But well, they, like, you have that in with the uh, the Egyptian deities as well uh, of course you know they are all like either animals or with uh with animal animal heads and i i do wonder what what the meaning behind that is or what it what it could well, be like the... well i have one answer for you on that is okay. that you could say that there's a lower form of god like maybe demon you could say it's a demon just use that frame sure that has an animal head okay they exist in the lower world but you can also say in some ways of thinking because they understand weird or mantra or magic or whatever you want to call it they're also enlightened because they understand the way of the universe like they understand how to climb the tree they understand the cycles and the turning of the ocean and all of that they see it they've lived it they've experienced it so there's also a way of thinking that once you bring that being into the higher planes it becomes a higher being so the idea is is like a low even though an animal headed god is the lower god there's a way that that god can transform into a higher god i know that's not a hundred percent one-to-one but it's a way to understand no but yeah i mean as um as gosh said indeed uh like slave near he does run across the sky especially in the wild hunts you know he runs across the sky and he um it is thanks to Sleipnir that odin can traverse the nine worlds um, oh okay this is actually interesting you can only get so if you want to give it a sphere hyagriva mm-hmm. tipperath or standing atop tipperath below death okay so yeah. you not get to shiva slash odin without accomplishing hyagriva that's one way to actually think about it oh okay then and with the whole in inflating part and whatever like Sleipnir is a um a child of loki um which and there there's a there's a whole story surrounding that it's it's one of my favorite stories to tell but uh basically it came down to (laughs) what what most stories with loki come down to like loki fucked up and now he has to fix the situation you know they were wanting to build a wall around asgard around the realm of the gods yes even the gods think it's a good idea to build a wall yes um so why why don't we anyway uh (laughs) (laughs) but uh so they you know went looking for this master mason this master builder um and eventually they uh they did find one or he no he actually came up to them and was like hey you know i can do this better and faster than anyone else. like i promise you to have it done uh within uh a certain amount of seasons i have the uh let's see yeah but he he did demand a very um very steep compensation of course very very steep steep price uh, which was the hands of the goddess freya in marriage as well as the sun and the moon so that was um that's crazy that was that's and that's that's quite a quite a price to uh, to ask of course so the gods they well they went into uh into the liberation because timmy 
I'm sorry, I do love you. Let's go itch somewhere else. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't film with, I don't film with shaky cam. So thanks, Tim. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, so yeah, the the hand of Freya in marriage, which is a common uh, common thing across many many stories, that you know, with her being, of course, the most powerful goddess and the most beautiful goddess. I mean, why wouldn't you want her hand in marriage? Um, so you know, Loki uh, eventually uh, convinced the gods and said that um okay you no know, but he will have to finish his work i thought it was in uh in multiple seasons but in one winter like in a single winter he had to have built the wall without any help from uh like anyone but uh, but his horse the giant stallion um which means unlucky traveler um and like that but it was no no ordinary horse horse a horse a horse of course um because the um this or the the stallion seems to be doing maybe even more work than the mason himself hauling this huge these huge boulders over a, like a vast distance um so you know mason with help of his stallion was making pretty good time and it was looking like he was actually gonna finish before the end of winter meaning that they were have to going to give away freya in marriage to some mason even though he was really good and give up the sun and the moon um and they were of course not about to do that so they basically turned to loki and said hey you caused this shit you go ahead and fix it um which loki of course wasn't too pleased about it but you know it was either fix it or um well i guess our gods have a tendency of that well you know cut his head like always always the cutting of the heads yeah they love that they really do yeah and they especially would love to see loki head. um well you, loki well I shouldn't say Loki, but Vishnu ends up headless quite a few times in the Puranic story. So. Oh, well, L- Loki almost, but, you know, since he is, like, also such a, a slick talker and he is very smart, he uh, he managed to uh, talk himself out of it. Like, there's this one story, um, I'll, I'll finish the, the other story in a bit, but, you know, where, the, um, like, he lied to the dwarves and they wanted revenge, so they were like, you know... We're gonna have his head, and Odin was like, "Okay, take his head." And then, like Loki, very cleverly said, "Ha ha ha ha! Only my head. You never said anything about my neck." Ah, oh, well, damn it! Well, you know, fuck it. We'll just sew your mouth shut. Called it. Um. So yeah, very, very clever. No, actually. That- crazy actually because you know vishnu sleeps inside the ocean so he can't speak so there is something there about like not oh. being able to speak the words and i just want to say hi agreeva means horse neck so i personally think that there is something there between when you're saying not ed but my neck because there is something there i that's yeah, that's interesting but um so the, the way loki fixed the um the master mason problem was he transformed himself into this this beautiful mare on the uh the last day of winter so the last day that um you know the master mason had then the wall you know should have uh should have been ready or should be should be ready so transformed himself in this into this beautiful mare and seduced the stallion like literally running off with him into the woods and uh like next morning coming out of the woods again very pregnant with stepnir that is crazy honestly the my the parallels between the story i'm still getting over like the freya thing because Hayagriva's consort is also like 
in a way, you could also say she is the goddess of Netsok, like the goddess of Venus. Mm-hmm. She's not Freya, as in like Freya riding the, like ferocious riding her chariot into battle. She's Freya when she's practicing magic. That is what his consort becomes. She's the boar-headed goddess. So mm. she raises the earth. She is the earth, like the physical earth as well as the spiritual earth. And yeah. she is the one who kind of teaches us how to do the rituals, how to do ferocious activity is what it's called. So it's really interesting. Yeah. I'm just still kind of getting over it of how similar it is because, and then Loki being Vishnu, Vishnu is also the dragon. He doesn't know he's the dragon per se, but he also is like, that plays a big role in the whole I mean, story. Jormungandr, the world snake, um, who you know, does sleep in the ocean, encompassing the whole world, is also That's one crazy. of the children of Loki. And he is the Ouroboros. He is so yes, large that, indeed that he bites his own tail. Yes, that is the, exactly the same. The tail is a smoky body. That's what it's called. And mm-hmm. the head is a physical body. So it's really two extra planets in the sky. It's also the eclipse. So, That's awesome. Yeah, I thought, that's what I thought you'd like. Yeah. Anyway, it was so cool, the story. Thank you for sharing that. With yeah, me. no, you're you're absolutely welcome. And thank you for, uh, you know, for sharing all the, all the stories with me, sharing all the stories with us. It's, it's crazy how many similarities there are. Like it's- so Someone weird. was writing it and knew what they were secretly saying. That's what yeah. I think. They were saying a conceptual reality that was very similar, even if the values are different. So say like, you know, like the Norse value, different things, but it's not necessarily super different. Maybe it's like cast different, like Kistria is like a warrior. So maybe Mm -hmm. that was the emphasis, right? But maybe like for the like Northern India, Himalayan region, priest class, like a Brahmin, that was more important. But for Southern India, they would value like a farm because that's who's going to feed everybody, right? So I think that there is like a thing there where different people place different emphasis on different parts of the story, but they're still similar stories. Like they're still the same story, but they're just retold slightly differently. As like you were saying last time, it's adapting to the culture and to the climate, geography, and to the land. Yeah place that you are yeah that's awesome I, this is this is why why i love i love you know having people like you on with so like such great knowledge and then finding all these things that are similar yet different you know like, like you said same stories but told in a different way for different people in maybe like a, a different age exactly and even the meanings can be different it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what matters is is that there's a common need a common like string that ties them all together that is like the common thread of all humanity that's what i'm kind of seeing now more like we're so much more similar than we are not in reality but we have these like really crazy conceptual identity labels that keep us like very apart but our history like very you know we're co-creative we like it's ebb and flow so civilizations rise civilizations fall and we're all kind of just long for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's that's all we can do. Just surf the Kali Yuga. That's exactly right. Surf the Kali Yuga. Well, it's almost over, supposedly. So <laughs> I, I, I do I do hope so because I'm I'm getting really tired of it. <laughs> well, actually, in the Tantra conception, we are already past Kali Yuga. Kali Yuga's done. We're in the interstitial. So we're in the period of Dumavati. We're in the period of like time without time. That's why things feel so slow. So then oh, it's that, up and then that, it gets 
crazy. That kind of reminds me of the, uh, oh, this is a whole other tangent. I should, I should say that for part three, but the, um, uh, the little season, like what they say in Christianity between the, uh, the death of Christ and the resurrection of, um, of Christ or the, the, the second coming of Christ, that there is a little season where, uh, you know, if if you go literally by what the devil or by what the the Bible says, uh, where the devil has free reign to seduce as much people as possible, but like in a really really short, well, in the grand scheme of all, really short. Yes, it's a very time short. span where totally he has. That'll be fascinating. Yeah, and like after that, supposedly is the second coming of Christ bringing. Um, like bringing the kingdom of heaven onto earth. Well, Hindus do believe that too. Just saying that. They believe in the guy riding the white horse. His name's Kalki. He's the avatar of Vishnu. He's coming. That's what they say. I don't know. A white, a white horse. Yeah. Really representing like that, that purity. Dude, but, that's... He's but he's carrying a sword. So he means business. Not I mean, having... the, the Christ did too. Like he yeah. literally said, like sell your cape from that money, buy a sword. Like it'll do more for you. And that's true. And all of his things were about self sufficiency. All of his things were about transmutation of like poverty into something greater. Yeah. And it, it's not about believing that story. It's just about like looking at it and being like, oh, there's like all these alchemical things in it. Oh, there's all these like, you know, there's all the same story, but it's just retold in a different way for people who lived in the desert. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, on this, this bombshell, on this this epic, okay, this epic stories, we um, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it. Um, okay. It's. Uh, we're like eight, seven, eight minutes off from uh, from going on two hours. So this has been another amazing show. Thank you another so thing. much for uh, for coming on again and you know sharing uh, sharing the stories and sharing the wise lessons and all. Um, thank you so much, Stein, and thank you for inviting me on a second time, inviting me on the first time. <laughs> thank you, anyone who, who watched all the way. And I, I mean, I, you know, it's really, it's been like so cool for me to share stories and like to receive them as well. So I really do appreciate like the opportunity to do a dialogue. It is my pleasure. It is, uh, it's been a great pleasure having you on. And um, I'm. Uh, kind of kind of jealous of Lee that like he was the, the first one but you know good on him he's a he's a good guy but we do I we don't talk about the same really don't. okay okay well good I keep it very different <laughs> very I do more with you I do narrative story it's much more like we talk about the gods or similarities like those things and like generally we do definitely do a lot more like he loves the wrathful stuff he wants to know about <laughs> he wants to know about left-handed pop that's what he likes so that's what i you know, just yeah. make sure yeah so that's more so if you're interested in that you can definitely listen to my part four with him but um yeah Thank you so much for having me on again. I, w I would be happy to do it again if you ever wanted me. And uh, yeah, I've loved all the shows lately. And yeah, no, I um, I'm I'm definitely gonna have to uh, to get you on for part three. Like, I, dude, we can so many parts. Like, it's gonna man, this is gonna be like the same situation with Ethan that I'm like literally gonna have to make a playlist with like just your videos because I've been on <laughs> with him like I believe three times now as well so yeah and i i need to get I need to start getting uh getting people together like i'm already, already trying to get um burdog and sarcastic warlock together on one uh one show which is going to be absolutely 
esoterically mind-blowing and to get you and Ethan on the same Oh, I'm a little intimidated, but I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> he is the philosopher stoned. He is such a, like, to just be able to pick his brain for like an hour, hour and a half. Amazing. No, but really, yeah, I'll, uh, I'm gonna... Great. I want you to get on uh, Union of Unknown episode as well. We'll do like swap cast. I think they would yeah. really like it. I think you. I think it would be cool for your audience. It's more libertarian in the American meaning, but I think that you actually would have a lot in common. Yeah, let's let's try and uh, and make that happen. You you told me last time too that I uh, that we would uh, would mesh well. So yeah, let's let's make that let's make that happen. Yeah, let's, uh, let's I can uh, connect. Yes, connecting, connecting the connecting the tribes, connecting the people worldwide. You know, if the right. if the above can divide us, then the below the people we're we're with more anyway, so we can connect again. So yeah, thank you very much, and uh, we're we're just we're gonna make it all happen. We're gonna make it all happen. I don't care uh, how. I don't right. care when. We're gonna make it. No, happen. we're gonna do it. We're gonna just do it. Hell so, yeah! Manifest our reality. Thank you so much, Stein. I'm gonna dip and make dinner. I appreciate it. Yeah, you do that. I'm gonna uh, wrap it up with your nope. uh, usual podcaster content creator chilling because you know that's what the algorithms like apparently. No uh, problem at all. You have a good day. <laughs> yes, thank you. You too, bro. Oh, this was amazing. So yeah, this has been another amazing episode of the Greyhorn Pagans podcast with Jin the Ninja. Uh, on like everything tantric buddha hindu um running off heads crawling uploading gruesome but amazing stuff uh so thank you all for watching thank you all for listening thank you all for being here and um giving me that little bit of your time i do very much appreciate it uh leave us a like leave us a comment share this around just share this with with everyone doesn't matter share it with people you think this is who would think this is interesting people who i don't know don't find this interesting share it with your nan share it with your 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 auntie your sis whoever share it around um and you know tell tell me who do you who do you want on next i can like i can make it happen for some topics that you uh, that you want me to to talk about i'll see if i can uh, can get some amazing guests on like i'm not i'm not just doing this for me i'm doing it for you all as well so yeah thank you all very very much uh find the grayhorn pagans and everything we do on www.grayhornpagans.com um oh yeah podcast shilling if <laughs> if you're uh listening to this on the podcasting platforms um, on, oh God, where, where are we at? We are on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Apple Podcasts. Uh, join us on Good Pods, very fun platform to be on as well. Uh, leave a five-star rating, leave a nice comment, um, amuse us, pleasure, pleasure us? No, that's, no, that's really wrong. <laughs> anyway, thank you all so much. I will see you all next time. Yeah, good evening. Bye-bye.